all the documents in a real estate disclosure package are important, but some are more important than others, if you know what I mean, because they offer more useful information to the buyer. Funny story, I met someone who's been working in real estate since the early 90s, and she said when she first started working, there were only two pages, two documents in the disclosure package. But now they keep adding more and more to them. I mean, there's hundreds of pages now. If you're buying a house, there's hundreds of pages. If you're buying a condo, there's like 500 pages because just the HOA documents alone are like 300 pages long. So that's created a lot more work for us realtors. But, you know, I'm not against these documents because they offer more protection to the consumer, to the buyer, really explaining what it means to buy a house, what are the risks, uh, how property values might change unexpectedly, basically explaining to buyers what they're getting themselves into. Now, there are some documents that are especially useful. One of those is the preliminary title report, or prelim for short. When you look at this report, it tells you exactly who owns the property. And this is very important to understand because sometimes the property is owned by more than one person, but they're not in agreement about selling it. Sometimes one person tries to sell the property secretly without the other people knowing. So you want to know for sure that all the sellers are listed in the documents, they've all signed for it. And also click on the links. There are hyperlinks in the preliminary title report and those hyperlinks take you to official government documents listing the owners and where the property is located. Next up on your reading list is the real estate transfer disclosure statement, which is a biggie because that's the two or three page statement where the seller really gives you all the information they know about the property, answering yes or no questions, uh, questions such as, have you done work without permits? Is there nuisance in the neighborhood? Do you know of crime in the neighborhood? Is there anything wrong with the house? You know, have there ever been any issues? Have you ever done repairs? All kinds of questions like this is where you find out the bulk of the information about what the seller knows. And in all cases, the seller has to fill out a real estate transfer disclosure statement unless they haven't lived in the house. But it's pretty, uh, those cases are actually pretty rare and usually most sellers fill out the real estate transfer disclosure statement. Next up is the often missed seller property questionnaire or SPQ. This is very similar to the real estate transfer disclosure statement. I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think not all counties and cities have to do a seller property questionnaire. I know that San Francisco does require it, so that's why I'm mentioning it, because it's basically like a shorter version of the TDS. And it also asks the seller questions such as, have you done unpermitted work? Is there anything unsafe about the property or the neighborhood? Have there any pets that lived in the property? Things like that. Next up are all the inspection reports, such as the general inspection, pest inspection, roof inspection, pool inspection. Basically read all the inspections if there are. That's probably the most reading you're going to do unless you're purchasing a condo, in which case you're going to be doing a lot more reading. But going back to the inspection reports, by reading those, you're making sure that you know if there is anything wrong with the home and how much you would need to spend to repair it. Now, you don't immediately get the estimates 
from the inspection reports, but it's a trick. Uh, it's a good trick to call the inspector, even if you're the buyer or the buyer's agent, call the inspector of the house you want to offer uh, on and ask the inspector, how urgent is this? Uh, does this need to be repaired? Does it need to be repaired like within a month, within a year, or can it wait a couple of years? Because that can really save you some money and give you a good idea of how much you need to pay for the repair work. Now, most of the time, if the inspections are already provided, that means the seller has paid for them and you don't need to pay for inspections. But if you're in a buyer's market where you have lots of options as a buyer and maybe you don't trust the company that did the seller's inspection, it's an out-of-town company that you've never heard of, so you want to do your own inspections. In that case, you would be paying for the reports unless, of course, you make it contingent in your contract for the seller to pay for those reports. Either way, make sure to read them. I suggest, strongly recommend, call the inspector, finding out what is urgent, asking him if he can provide some estimates, or even bringing a contractor. Bring a contractor with you to get a look at the house, a second look, and ask the contractor to provide some estimates. Last but not least, the HOA docs, the hundreds of pages of HOA docs. Now, there are some things that stand out here. First, the rent restrictions. A lot of people buy a home and treat it as an investment. Of course, it's your biggest asset and you want to be able to make some money on it. And some people don't want to just hold on to it for a while and sell it. They also want to rent it out and make some rental income on it. Now, most HOAs, in fact, I have not uh, seen an HOA yet that doesn't have restrictions on short-term rent. Most of them demand that you rent your place out for at least 30 days at a time. Also, some HOA communities are age-restricted, 55-plus, or I've also seen 35-plus, and so you're not allowed to rent out to people who don't meet those age requirements. If you're an animal lover and intend to bring pets with you or get pets after moving in, make sure that you read the restrictions. Most HOAs only allow up to two pets, and standard pets, uh, cats or dogs, so if you have any other kind of animals like birds or fish, call the HOA representatives and find out if you're allowed to have any other kinds of animals. Because usually they say either two dogs or two cats or one dog and a cat. And if you have any other kind of animal, you want to make sure that they're allowed. The next big thing you should read about are the remodel restrictions. So you'll probably want to do some work on your place sooner or later. Your window might stop opening, your appliances might break, and it's important to know what kind of work you're allowed to do without consulting the homeowners association and what kind of work you need to do that you need to consult the homeowners association. Now, usually everything that concerns the interior of your unit that cannot be seen from the outside, you can do on your own without consulting with the HOA. But everything that concerns, uh, concerns the outside of your unit or house that can be seen from the outside, such as the paint, exterior paint, the windows, the doors, that 
you need to consult with the HOA about. And it may take a few months before they approve the work. You know, they need to cooperate together with your repairman, your contractor to find out what exactly they're going to do. Uh, they need to use the right colors, the right shapes for in the windows. I know, for example, in San Francisco, we have these famous Victorians and Edwardians. And those windows are really, really expensive. You know, people pay like $6,000 for one window and they cannot get a different type of window because, you know, they have to preserve the architectural history of San Francisco. Thank you for listening to this episode of Veronica's Real Estate Tips. It would really warm my heart if you left me a good review because I really enjoy making these, uh, educating you guys, and I'll make some more.